for me, the key part um, of us looking into or speaking into spirituality, activism, and healing, the crucial part of that is that we are POC-centered because I think you need to be POC-centered in order to um, reclaim almost some of those knowledges and some of those rituals. This is Healing Justice, a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Werning. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about where you can find it and how you can stay in touch with us. So the links to listen are found at healingjustice.org. And you have an option to find us on Apple Podcasts, on Radio Public, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. And so wherever you like to listen to your podcast, you can find us there, subscribe, leave us a positive rating and review if you feel moved to do so, um, and follow us on whatever platform works best for you. So this week I'm here with Teresa Pimateus, who is from our second episode ever. You may remember her when we were having uh, really our first big picture conversation talking about the conversations in healing justice that this podcast would become a home for. And Teresa was one of the first core collaborators in sort of the vision and the saying yes to this podcast coming into being. How are you doing, Teresa? I'm good. Glad to be back here again. I am so excited that you're back and that we are collaborating together to do a three-part podcast series that is driven by the Mystic Soul Project. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yes. So the Mystic Soul Project began about two years ago uh, as a nonprofit organization. It was a vision long before that, but its intentionality is to center people of color, voices, teachings, wisdom, community conversations at the intersection of spirituality, specifically contemplative spirituality, activism, and healing. Mm. So y'all can hear why this alignment is goes pretty deep. <laughs> and also that it's really exciting to be um, prioritizing POC-centered space and voices around this topic. And so we wanted to just share with you a little bit beyond the obvious of why this collaboration is happening and why we wanted to work together. Yes. So for me, I was excited at the genesis of the Healing Justice podcast, this idea of bringing forward healing justice to a broader community and conversation and audience. And then as I continued to listen, so many of the speakers uh, who came on and were able to talk about different aspects of embodiment, of of privilege, of healing, of activism, and sort of the struggle to hold space for ourselves and for our own wellness inside of movements was so resonant with what Mystic Soul's intention is and what we've been trying to have in, com- in our conversations as well. Mm. And I was so excited to work with you partially because I just love working with you. Um, I have a lot of fun and I learn a lot, especially from your experience as a trauma therapist um, and someone who is just like really bringing people together in the world. And um, I was so honored. I think uh, some of y'all who might have listened to episode 14 
um, heard us talking a little bit actually at the Mystic Soul Conference. We recorded uh, in the space where we were staying when we were at the Mystic Soul Conference in January in Chicago, and it was like deeply cold. <laughs> and uh, we're, I was so honored personally to be in that space, which was a um, hundreds and hundreds of people coming together, kind of crossing faith spaces and healing arts and ancestral traditions. And it was definitely the first kind of spirituality space that I had been in as a white person, where even like the POC-centeredness meant that uh, as a white woman attending and, and supporting, like the frame was that I was a non-POC, right? And thinking about the ways in which decentering whiteness like needs to happen on so many levels in this conversation. And so I felt very generously um, included and I'm also excited to uh, move to the side and listen into the incredible wisdom that y'all are sharing in this three-part series. Thank you. And I'm excited to bring some more of our conversations into the healing justice space and into the healing justice community for the next few episodes. The intention is to, in this first episode, to introduce Mystic Soul and kind of what our intentionality is a little bit deeper. And then in the second and third episode, we'll be talking about first indigenous reclamation for healing and then contemplative activism and healing practice. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that y'all are with us and looking forward to listening in with Mystic Soul. This first episode in the series features Mystic Soul co-founders, Teresa P. Mateus, Ra Mendoza, and Jade Perry. They're talking faith origin stories from Christianity, Catholicism, and traditions of indigeneity. They're talking about bridging worlds and what it means to be POC-centered, and also grieving the appropriation of POC spiritual traditions. Thank you for being here with us. So excited to listen to these powerful women. Here we go. Welcome to the Mystic Soul Podcast, joining Healing Justice Podcast. I am Teresa Pimateus. I'm joined here by Ra Mendoza and J.T. Perry, uh, my two other co-founders of the Mystic Soul Project. We're here to talk about sort of what are we leading into in the next three episodes of this mystic soul component of healing justice. And also a little bit about letting you know who we are, what we do, what we care about, what has meaning to us in the world, and how it intersects with healing and justice and this work. So I wanted to kind of open with a discussion of story. I think for us at Mystic Soul, the idea of story and narrative and how we talk about our becoming and moving into the things that we care about are deeply important. And so I wanted to open with some space to talk about what is Mystic Soul, what does it mean, and what are sort of the values we hold and how did we get here? So I wanted to give some space in the beginning to hear from Jade and from Ra what what sort of led you into this space and what does it actually mean to you? How do we define this thing called mystic soul? 
My name is Jade T. Perry, one of the co-founders of the Mystic Soul Project. And the thing that led me to this work actually was um, my background in creative and performing arts. One of the projects that I was working on before Mystic Soul was a biomythography uh, in the spirit of Audre Lorde. She was the one that coined that term. Um, and so I was working on a biomythography that would help me to kind of reconcile um, who I was, but who I was in the context of my family. Uh, I have a pretty religious family, um, non-denominational, um, Black evan evangelical-leaning family. Um, but the members of my family have some very interesting tastes of mysticism in their practice that fall outside of um, evangelicalism, <clears throat> that fall outside of Christianity even. Um, and so it was interesting to me to try to reconcile, you know, this very pious family that goes to church on Sundays and does all of these things, um, but then goes home and does, you know, mixes up um, roots for teas and tinctures and things of that nature. Um, or passes down different kinds of stories through oral traditions that have components of mysticism kind of inherently weave within. So I was starting some writing about that, about a piece um, working through uh, mental illness and thinking about my grandmother in the folk ways that she would work through mental illness and thinking about how she would use the church and hymns and things like that, but how she would also use different things like uh, rituals that she would literally just kind of make up as she went. And so I was doing this writing, and around that time, um, Teresa read, eventually read that piece um, and asked me about um, what my journey was. And so I shared with her something very similar to what I'm sharing with you now. Um, and then we, you know, through talking with Teresa, I realized like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> People of color across the nation have been syncretizing their belief systems, have been syncretizing um, faith systems, have been utilizing um, both traditional religious sacraments of various kinds um, and rituals of various kinds with their own uh, folk traditions of various kinds. And so I think the work in writing actually brought me to the Mystic Soul Project, and I'm really glad that it happened that way. Thank you. I appreciate you discussing that sort of intersection, right, of uh, a sort of Western understanding, and and for many of us, uh, carry or for all of us, carries that lineage of colonization, that lineage of white supremacy, but also carries all of those traditions that many people have learned over the course of their life, along with that spirituality that was innate, that was intuitive, that was ancestral, and this idea that there was not just symbiosis there, but that there's something rich that probably was missed more than it was seen. And that you found that value through your family system, through your through your grandmother, you know, that you were able to learn that coming through in your own life. And then also, you know, I can speak to the fact that speaking to you about finding your article, hearing that, listening to that, was also resonating with me, something that said that this is more than just a thing I'm thinking. So at the same time you're thinking, this is more than just a thing I'm thinking, uh, being able to talk to you, this sort of 
beginnings of the genesis of Mystic Soul was also, oh, wait a second, there are other people that are thinking about these things too, about these sort of rootedness, uh, which is much of the origin point of Mystic Soul Project. What is the rootedness of people of color that is particular to us, that comes from the places that might not have been seen for a long time because of the sort of Western context that we've lived and grown up in? But what does it actually mean to bring those things forward now? And particularly for us as an organization, what does it mean to look at those things as as spiritual components of ourselves and our communities, as action and activist components of ourselves and our communities, as healing components of ourselves and our communities? So I'd like to hear from Ra what your sort of story is, this mystic soul becoming for you. So I grew up in a, a Christian <clears throat> context and uh, always had a really deep love of God, even for, as a young child. And when I went to college, I fell really in love with a contemplative kind of framework for understanding my spirituality and um, for understanding my Christianity also. And it was uh, it was a very white, <laughs> white male-centered um a contemplative framework, um, but it felt really good. And uh, for four years, it felt like home. Um, I am not a white male, so, uh, uh, but that, but my identity um, and my identity journey uh, at that point in time didn't really factor into how I saw my spirituality and how I understood God. Uh, after college, I did a year-long um, Christian service program that put me in a completely different context and opened me up to um, to understanding and knowing myself in a much deeper way. It um, introduced me to um, learning more about who I am uh, in my ethnicity and my culture um, as a Mexican-American, a third-generation Mexican-American person, and um, and grew my awareness of justice and injustice and oppression and um, was a really formative year in opening me up to understanding my own internalized oppression um, and what um, what I had been carrying, um, what others who are part of oppressed people groups carry. Um, it moved me to think deeper about physical action and um, showing up for people, for myself, and as I was exploring that and moving into that in the years after, I felt a really strong disconnect between the spirituality and the, the Christian contemplative framework that I was introduced to in college just didn't fit anymore into how I was understanding the world and myself and this need to um, be active um, and to speak, uh, to speak up, to speak out, um, to speak for myself. <clears throat> and... Uh, it that disconnect was um, really disrupting, and so for 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 a time in that three four year period, I threw away um, a lot of what had felt like home for me spiritually, um, and felt like it didn't fit anymore. Um, at the end of that three four year process, I. I uh, was attending a couple of different conferences and had seen Teresa. Um, and <laughs> at that point, I was like, uh, had kind of given up a little bit. Uh, 
in on the Christian world, um, being able to support um, this also growing awareness around justice and um, action um, activism. And uh, but had seen Teresa, and I was like real basic. I was like, "Well, you're brown, and you talk about contemplative Christianity or contemplative practice, and it's in this." Christian context, and uh, that's interesting because I'd never seen that before. And I had seen Teresa at a few conferences, and at that point in time, I had given up basically uh, seeing any people of color talk about a spirituality, a contemplative spirituality that could connect to action and activism um, in a way that that I felt was real and uh, authentic. And uh, I had seen her at a few conferences, and I was like, well, I mean, basically, like, she's a brown person. Um, she talks about contemplative practice. She seems to know what she's talking about. She's in these justice type spaces. Like, maybe, maybe this is someone that can have some answers for me. Uh, so I, I reached out to her, and I just asked, like, I'm in this space of basically deconstructing everything, um, deconstructing my Christianity, um, really diving into my identity, uh, my as a as a Mexican American, uh, wanting to understand how that um, how that has affected how I understand God, myself, my relationships, how I show up in the world, um, and also really believing that there is a need to uh, to be someone who is cultivating a really deep inner spiritual life as they show up in really active spaces like that. That seems to be connected, but nobody I know, and none of the books from all these other people that I've read can speak to that. Uh, and, but I need that. And so I asked the question and then she wrote back pretty quickly and was like, yeah, great, me too. And, um, and I was like, whoa. So that, that started me on, uh, on this really exciting journey of, of just realizing like other people are asking this question, other people are wanting this thing. I'm not the only one, even though it feels like I'm the only one. Um, and that uh, that there is something more here to not not recognize because I think it's I think we all recognize it for ourselves, but to to make visible um, and to uh, grow community around um, that there is something else um, that uh, we can name and belong to um, together. Thank you, Ra. Uh, I think what's interesting about both what what you and what Jade said is this intersection of sort of deep history, deep ancestry, deep spirituality, and deep knowing, and an incompleteness from the stories that were given often. And I think what was interesting for me in meeting both of you and sort of taking this idea that I had that was essentially for me coming out of a uh, Christian contemplative framework that was mostly white, had been created, curated by and for whiteness, whether it meant to or not, was this idea that I think there's something more than this. Um, I think there's something deeper than this, and I think there's something far more intersectional than this that's happening and that needs to happen. And I felt like a sole voice in a room for a very long time because I was in very white spaces. And 
meeting and talking to both of you offered me a expression of what I was feeling already inside that said, this is not just you. This is not just a feeling you're having. This is not just what we do so often when we diminish ourselves, uh, an expression of your own experience that has nothing to do with anything else. But actually, it's a communal wanting and yearning that is greater than me. And so I was so appreciative to engage with both of you and in this way kind of bumping along in the darkness, right? To find each other's stories, to find each other's knowings that were so true, but also had been so quieted by a world that says that they don't matter. And for me, having spent a good portion of my life, it's interesting um, as you both speak very much about being rooted and formed um, in Christian contexts, while my origin place, or I call it faith of origin, because I come from a therapeutic background, so we call our family that we began from our family of origin. So I've come to call faith of origin Christianity for me. But that's the place that I came from. I actually learned the deepest components of my spirituality that led me back to myself first through traditions that were not Christian. So I was raised in a Catholic family, found a deep level of hypocrisy by 16 because I was very stubborn. And so at 16, I found hypocrisy in Christianity and in Catholicism and in a lot of the misogyny and the, uh, actually the queer phobia wasn't even as big a part of it, actually, because I grew up in a progressive environment. So our Catholicism was kind of loose around identity. So I never actually felt alienated as a queer person. I actually felt more alienated as a woman, as identified in certain roles about what that meant in the church, which predominantly meant that I couldn't be in a position of leadership. And, um, and the ways in which they treated this very binary genders that just didn't work for me. And by 16, I talk in my last book, Sacred Wounds, a bit about my experience going to accidentally an evangelical summer camp in which I was like, this is a bit much for me and whatever you all are doing, I'm not into it. Uh, I'm going to have to bow out of this Christianity thing because it's not for me. So at 16, I left Christianity and for... And, the, and again, the reason we're sort of centering our origin story of mystic soul on this spiritual story, I think, is, is valuable and valid because we believe that these three parts are intersected, that our action, our activism, that our healing and our healed selves and our spirituality and, and those stories that formed us are critically important to how we engage in this moment and how actually we're moving through the parts that have hurt us. Hurt us. So when I was writing my book, Sacred Wounds, I wrote about and I, I talked to a lot of people that have been harmed and hurt by Western traditions, primarily Christian traditions, primarily Christian conservative traditions that were much more conservative than mine. Um, and at that point, I was still standing a little bit offside of any of that because I really had grown in my spirituality through learning uh, Buddhist meditation and mindfulness in a community in New Jersey. I had also grown in my spirituality through use, learning Shivananda Yoga through a yoga community that I deeply immersed in in Florida. And I was coming back a little bit, I call, through the side door um, of Christianity through a rectory uh, on an evening night to Christian contemplative practice, which was really 
the parallel practice in Christianity to the meditative practices of other traditions. And what I appreciate in returning through that side door, through that back door of the Christian tradition is a learning that at the deepest part of ourselves, at the center of who we are, that our spirituality essentially meets all the other core spiritualities that exist, right? So I, my faith of origin may have been Christianity, but I learned the depth just as much in the other traditions that I was exposed to. And my root tradition, like the Dalai Lama has said, um, in places where rice grows best, we, we eat rice. In places where wheat grows best, we, we eat bread. Um, I think that my source understanding comes from the, the form of, uh, of food that I've learned to eat, but it doesn't mean that we aren't all interconnected. That I think what is important about learning that interconnectedness and how it relates spiritually to ourselves and to each other, how that relates to our healing and how that relates to our action in the world, is that we are deeply interconnected when we reach the center of ourselves, the seat of our soul, whatever we call that thing uh, that might be God for me, that might be oneness and beingness for somebody else. But I think at the core of Mystic Soul, what was powerful to me was that we were asking a question that spoke across all those parts. That it was asking, what did, what did our ancestors say about that thing? What did they call it? What was that beingness? What was that oneness? What was the thing that was pulled away from us, maybe from the traditions that we were taught? And what are the values of the traditions that we were taught that might have come from that depth of spirituality, which for me was the contemplative practice, from the practice of quieting, the practice of going inward in some way, shape, or form. So I'm appreciative of both of you telling your stories about that experience. For me, as somebody who defines as queer, as Indo-Latinx, and also as an adopted person of a white family, I've always considered myself somebody living and working within the bridge places between not just traditions, but also identities. And so to realize that I wasn't the only one doing that, but that people were doing that in various different ways was really important. And what I'd like to consider now or ask you both to speak into is how do we hold those parts as part of the center? So what I love about the the identity of the Healing Justice podcast is that it is centering and asking us to speak into who we are and our action in the world in a way that is both justice and healing, and that is healing inside of justice and movements. So... I wonder if you can both speak to how we identify from mystics from the mystic soul framework from this people of color identified space and how you identify personally to that space of healing and justice coming together. One of the things that I appreciate the most about um, the mystic soul project, um, both in the way that it was envisioned from our early conversations, but also in the ways that the Mystic Soul Project community, um, whether that is online, whether that was at the conference, has kind of interpreted the work is that it is POC-centered. It is people of color-centered. I think that's so important, especially when you are 
trying to get at things as broad as spirituality, activism, and healing. Um, for us, it's important that it is uh, POC-centered, simply because when you are being told by dominant society that your rituals, your sacred uh, knowledge, or your spiritual knowledges, um, or your folk traditions don't matter, and then you look up and see that those same rituals um, are being appropriated, um, have turned into hashtags, have turned into Instagram mood boards. Um, you need first a space to grieve. You need space to grieve um, that as a person of color, your folk tra traditions, your spiritual knowledges that may have been passed down um, through generations were not only disparaged, but they were disparaged and then co-opted. So you need space to grieve that. Um, and the, a safe space to do that is a space that is POC-centered. Um, and then you need a space to refresh yourself. You need a space to understand and uh re-envision that these traditions this spirituality um it it's it's not lost it's still alive it's still breathing we're still interpreting it we are adding to the dialogue um as we create our own rituals as we create our own folk knowledge as we create our own um sacred practices and whatever that means uh for you so i think for me the key part um, of us looking into or speaking into spirituality, activism, and healing, the crucial part of that is that we are POC-centered because I think you need to be POC-centered in order to um, reclaim almost some of those knowledges and some of those rituals. I really appreciate you talking about the POC-centered nature as essential. I think for me in this moment, as I look at the world and I look at the world that we're living into, and we'll look at, I look at the pendulum swing that we are living into in this moment, politically, mm -hmm. socially, and the, cli the climate of violence and hate, which has always been pervasive, but definitely has been given more liberty in the current moment. Um, for me, this idea that that the standard of white supremacy, white privilege, and whiteness as an, again as a, a as a cultural as a cultural icon, not as a not an actual identity of an individual person, but as this cultural icon needs to be dismantled. And so, I think centering people of color in this moment is powerfully important. It's subversive. It is liberative, um, and it is healing all in and of itself because it's saying we need to listen to the the paradigms, the stories, the histories, the learnings, the teachings that we have not centered culturally, systemically to the present moment. And I know for myself, what's been really important has been over the last couple of years, uh, I've stopped reading uh, non-POC authors. Mm -hmm. uh, the materials I put into my body, right, unless it's absolutely necessary for some particular instance, the material and the content that I put into my body, into my mind, into the information system that I'm absorbing are people of color. And the way that I describe that is I spent a good part of 36, 37 years absorbing content that was dominantly white, 
So I don't feel bad about saying that I'm going to abdicate from that content so that I can center something that is poorly under underrepresented. But also, we need to find the representations of what exists, and we need to expand on that. So I think in this moment, I think you're right. I think not just centering POC, but the subversiveness of doing that in and of itself becomes then liberation, becomes then healing. It's not the wholeness of it, but it's a piece. Do you have some thoughts on that, Ra? I think so. As Jade was talking, I just kept thinking about uh, the simplicity of community. And when I think about my own journey with Mystic Soul, and I think about the places where I've experienced healing, it's been in these uh, in the presence of community and the the ability to belong um, in all of my fullness. So like in all of my queerness and all of my brownness and all of my questioning and in all of my knowing, like I can be fully myself and the, there is no other space outside of Mystic Soul where that has been true. Uh, and to be able to say that so strongly is like super weird, but also super real, um, because it's um, because I felt it at the you know at the at our leadership gathering in March, and I felt it at our conference um, that there's something really powerful in simply um, being in a space where you can be uh, fully yourself and not have to fit yourself into a framework or a format that wasn't made for you um, or doesn't allow for all of you. Um, so I, I, that's really impacted me um, in how I think about healing and how I think about relationship and how I think about um, even like when I'm sitting and listening to another person, like making space and not even, not verbalizing that either. I think I've learned um, that our bodies tell us a lot and my body felt it before my mind did that uh, it was a space where I could be myself. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the the ability to uh, to allow for the substance of who we are to be alive rather than the form of how that looks, like it consistently comes to my mind, and um, and not needing to fit any part of ourselves around a framework or a format, um, but to trust it enough to let it be without limitation, to me is has been really healing and continues to be really healing. So I appreciate what both of you said around this idea, whether it's within the construct of something like Mystic Soul that we're talking about, but also within this wider context that there that there's a, the hopefulness of a vision of places and spaces in which we can be our whole selves, where we don't need to compartmentalize a piece of who we are, but we actually can be of all of who we are in the spaces that we're in. And unfortunately, if you're a person of color, if you add it, if you're a marginalized person of color, right? If you're a woman of color, if you're a trans person of color, if you're a queer person of color, those spaces become smaller and smaller where we feel like we can hold the wholeness of ourselves. And I know for me personally, I could be in a progressive space, right? A theoretically progressive space, but as most dominantly white and feel like I could be as liberal as I wanted to be, but I couldn't necessarily be as brown or even as queer as I wanted to be, right? And I could be in brown and black spaces that are talking about justice, 
but I couldn't really be queer because that still wasn't okay. So it's interesting that there are all these ethics and values that are not stated, but that are under the surface, that are constantly holding us back from, from that wholeness that you're talking about, Ra, from that centeredness of being exactly wholly who we are. And, and, and so I believe that Mystic Soul is attempting to do that. I, I have hope and aspiration that there are currently movements and organizing models and situations and spaces in which people are really trying to intentionally create ways in which we can hold and center all of our whole selves. But that is not, it's, not, it's still not the majority, not by a lot. So I think part of the dream and the vision is that we don't have to, I was doing a talk the other day and I talked about uh, what if we could imagine a world in which we don't have to feast one or, or one, two or three times a year in this space that feels like it understands us, but rather we could actually have solid meals of that, you know, throughout our lives, throughout our days, throughout our weeks. And that the difference between feasting three times a year and eating on a regular basis is essentially uh, an emotional and a social eating disorder, right? Where we have to actually live in a way in which we don't get what we need in much of our lives. What would it look like to envision a life in which we're getting what we need? So I'm curious, as we sort of close out this discussion on where our stories come from, where that meets what we're seeing is possible in today. What is the vision of the future? Because I think we're in a very, we're in a moment that is fertile, right? It's, it's painful, it's chaotic, and there's a lot happening. But it's also a moment that's very fertile. As I spent a lot of time in the last couple of few years working more with movements around trauma and healing, a lot of that conversation or that dialogue that I've been having is how do you actually build into sustainable movements a way to be that holds them at the center of their selves, that might be spiritually and emotionally grounding so that movements don't feel like they have to have sort of a trauma response system, which we should have, but not just that, but that there should actually be a continuity of the way that movements are built, the way that which communities are built, so that we're not just doing triage, but we actually have a whole system of caring for ourselves and for each other with each other that isn't the aftermath um, that isn't the pain and suffering, but actually sustains us. So I wonder what your vision is in this moment of what's possible moving forward. When I think about uh, future hopes and aspirations, I really think that anything is possible. Um, I think that some of the work or some of my dreams for the future um, really are for, as Ra said, the continuance of organic community. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've had these thoughts before. I've had these feelings before. I'm searching for a space. Um, I'm searching for a story. I think my advice to you would be, um, number one, excavate your story. Um, think about how does spirituality, activism, and healing interplay in your own life? Um, and I'm hoping that those individual stories can then become organic communities um, and community stories and ways that we can share with one another, whether that is um, in real time, whether that is online, um, whether that 
is through podcasts like this one. Um, I think the things that I envision um, for the future or my hopes for the future is just for for us as people of color to realize um, that our knowledge is important and that our knowledge does not exist in one specific container. Um, my hopes and dreams moving forward um, is that uh, we can cultivate more spaces for questions. I think that's something that's been really important for me in, um, in this whole process is being able to have the space and the freedom to ask the questions and to start the deconstructing work um, and to be supported in that process um, and to know that we're not alone in that process. So I really appreciate what both of you said about the hopes and visions for the future. I think it relates directly back to the parts that we're missing and the pain and the suffering from what we talked about in the beginning. So this idea of not being heard, not being seen, not having the space in which we can talk about what are our rituals, what are our values, what are the ways in which we embody ourselves uh, in wholeness as people of color uh, in the world, and then also in the spaces in which we're organizing uh, for those people that are activists, for those people that are healers in activist spaces. What does that actually look like to say, we're going to embody those rituals and those things that we value the most and center ourselves as people of color, as queer and trans people of color, uh, as marginalized people across the spectrum, what does it mean to be our whole selves in the spaces in which we exist? And how does that create wholeness? How does that create healing in and of itself? I think really is an important question in this moment so that we can see our way forward that isn't just about what was prescribed that came before, what are the absolutes or the givens that we were already offered, but rather, who are we? in our whole selves. What is, what is our ancestry? What is our history? How do we begin to explore that maybe in ways that we haven't seen before? And how does that inform the way that we activate in the world? How does that inform movements? How does that inform organizing? How does that inform community building? How does that inform the way in which we actually create healing within communities, within organizing, within movements? For me, that has been a powerfully important thing to say, how do we reconstruct what we thought we knew to be something new uh, that actually is really ancient, that actually is just reclaiming something we forgot that we're trying to build again and create again and remember again in a new way. So I think for me, what's interesting, this is sort of the origin point of our three-point series in Healing Justice podcast, where we're going to take some time to talk about centering POC, centering trans and queer POC identities, centering the ways in which we do answer some of these questions. So in an interesting way, as we go into this three-part series, we are positing what does it mean to hold this space? And then throughout the next couple of episodes with Mystic Soul, we're going to talk about what are those deeper levels of how we look at our identities? What are those deeper levels of how we look 
at intersecting our activism, our healing, and our spirituality together. What does that actually mean for, for our present moment, for our movements, for our way of being that we feel whole in ourselves, that we can feel whole in ourselves, that we can feel healed in ourselves? And, and what, what, is it, what is deeply empowering and powerful for me in what we're trying to ask within the Mystic Soul Project are those questions. And I'm hopeful that that translates out in the next set of conversations, in this conversation that we already had, to maybe ask some of the things that some of us have subverted or maybe not risen to the top previously, but to begin to look at that those parts deeper in terms of wholeness, of healing, of spiritual integration, of self in movements, in organizing, in this present day. So thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you again in the next episode of Mystic Soul on Healing Justice Podcast. You just heard a conversation between Mystic Soul Project co-founders Teresa P. Mateus, Jade Perry, and Ra Mendoza. You can follow their work at mysticsoulproject.com. Download the corresponding audio practice episode to do a contemplative practice with Jade Perry. Links are in the show notes to find our email list and social media, so stay in touch. On Instagram, at Healing Justice, we share some gorgeous quotes every single day from our brilliant guests. And as always, you can contribute to supporting the podcast at patreon.com slash healingjustice. This episode was mixed and produced by Zach Meyer at The Coal Room. And thank you for your commitment to building movements that liberate all of us. Hear you next week.